I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics to highlight bigger picture. And I am director of the Fifth Element. I highlight the Fifth Element hip hop, which is knowledge. If you want a podcast to listen to, might I suggest digging in the digits? Because digging in the digits is very nice. I'm here album. for that song. My favourite LL album. I'm very curious to see how you feel about it. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. In the meantime, hi Ben. How's your week, Ben? What have you listened to this week? So this week I listened to Twin Shadow's new album. Now, George Lewis Jr., a.k.a. Twin Shadow, he was always at his best when he was expressing his deep egotistical side. I really liked his egotistical side. He was like The weekend, but he was even more nonchalant about it. He actually once sung... Some people say you're the golden light, and if I chase after you, it doesn't mean that it's true. And the way that he croons that on that album is incredible. But this album is weird, man. It sounds like something Harry Styles might drop. I don't think it's bad, but it's just, it's a weird mix. It's like some of the songs on here, like the Get Closer, it sounds like the Rifles made it. It sounds like Britpop. I don't know what, why it sounds like Britpop, but it does. Um, he's gone from existing on kind of the edges of R&B and indie pop, I guess, to just straight up pop rock. It's really weird. It's uh, I did not expect this at all. If you know Twin Shadow and you listen to this album, you're going to be thrown for a loop. But I don't, I don't think it's bad. It's just probably not what I was expecting at all. Uh, TK Meidzer, last year was Weird Volume 3. This will be the last. Uh, I think she said this is the last one in this series. Uh, it's typically thoughtful and well curated. She never drops poor. She never drops mid. She always drops great music. The two song suite of Syrup and Kimmel, just that, the bass on that, man. The bass, those beats are works of art. And TK Mindset sounds incredible on top of them. Really, really good. She she slips in and out of hip hop on this EP. Uh, sometimes she's singing a lot, like Cashmere and Onto Me. So Cold sounds like an 80s pop anthem. I really feel like Madonna could have dropped something like this. Fresh, breezy. Uh, it's just great, man. This It's a little EP, and this is what I, I say with these kind of EPs where artists just give us a whole bunch of random things that they're good at. And this is all TK Mites' strong suits. It's a great expression of everything that's that's good about her artistry. Adaptability, unique ability to craft a mood and energy across a range of sounds. And she can rap really well. So I fully, fully recommend that. Uh, Vince Staples, self-titled. Vince sounds great on these instrumentals, man. Sometimes they're almost ambient. They're really understated. Um, After last week, we talked about uh, Rick Rubin, reduced by. That's what we could have written, reduced by, on these. Because, yeah, it's what it is. And Vince is just so engaging. He doesn't sound... He sounds like he's in a position where he has much more control over his destiny than he had in the past. And... There are more options op- open to him, and it's quite a. It's very deep, very deep. The lyrical content is emotional and, and pained at times, but also confident and resilient. So it's a good, really good project. And finally, IDK, you see for yourself. I thought this was really good. Uh, I sound a bit surprised when I say that because Izzy Real was great. I really love that project too. But I was hearing a lot of people say this record was not going to be very good. 
and that influenced my expectations. I, I didn't even listen to it when it dropped first up. I, I just kind of was like, eh. But I think this record to me sounds like Because of the Internet with a little less scope. I think it's a deeply immersive listen. Even if the subject matter doesn't always line up every time, I think the beats and the production make up for that. They're immense. The transitions are really delicate and perfectly executed. And I will say the IDK sounds like Kanye a couple of times. I was like, wow, they got Kanye on this? But it's not, you know, the more I listen to it, the more I'm like, eh, it is there a little bit, but it's not overwhelming. It doesn't drag you out of the listening experience at all. Just occasionally took me by surprise. I was disappointed with the MF Doom feature, um, especially as IDK said that he had a verse from him and they chose not to put it on there. Uh, I was disappointed in that. You know, I think we got two bars repeated. So yeah, that, that was disappointing. But apart from that, I thought it was a great project. So that's me. Charlie, what about yourself? Okay. Uh, I also, well, nearly also. Yeah, we'll get there in a sec. Uh, start off with uh, Sylvan the Q's Young Sylvan episode, episode mm. three. Um, yeah, man, it's uh, it's kind of more the more the same uh, on the Young Sylvan series from Young Sylvan himself. Um, I actually, prof- actually, I think this is probably his best one out of three. Um, I'm, I really like the uh, the speedy flows, uh, the just the just the constant change ups. Like every every uh, every song just had its own flavor to it. Uh, I like the fuck, like the energy on the fuck is great. Uh, D Wade, if you're gonna have a song with my, uh, with my favorite NBA player of all time, D Wade on there, uh, Dwayne Wade, uh, then you have to come through with it, and he did come through with it. So, uh, all happy days from me. Can't complain. Uh, then, funny you said, TK Miser. Uh, last year was with Volume Three. Uh, personally preferred Volume Two over Volume Three, but I do like the uh the different uh pace that she went with this one. I love Eden onto me. Just that one-two punch was uh, a prime, uh, a prime start with that uh, for that EP. Uh, I like I, actually. I think it was more like the bookends. I really enjoyed so Eden onto me and then Cashmere and Breathe. Really like those. You know the stuff in the middle was solid, uh, but those those four in particular uh, really uh, really took me. Uh, so yeah, really enjoyed that EP and uh, you know great series three out of three. Topped one hundred percent. Never missed. Never lost. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's Nava, Nava, or Nava. <laughs> I'm gonna say Nava Ade, uh, or Ade, uh, Phoenix EP, NAVA. And uh, yeah, this is a. Uh, I love, I love, I love the. Um, uh, I, l- I love the vocal stacking on uh, on these tracks. So six songs, twenty minutes. Uh, you know, solid EP. Um, and yeah, I, d- I just really like the emotion towards it. I love the. Uh, yeah, I love the emotion. I like the songwriting. I love the vocal stacking. Uh, you know, nice, nice little instrumentation behind it. Just some really good modern R and B. Can't complain. Uh, solid, solid project. Shout out to uh, Miss Ade, uh, Vince Staples, Vince Staples. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is about me and Vince Staples, man. I, I'm just like, I li- I'm cool with it. It's cool. It's a cool album. I really like the cohesiveness of it. Like just going from track to track. I actually was working while while listening to it. And I didn't really, you didn't really, if, if you don't actually clock it or actively try and clock it, you don't know which, like when the track actually goes from one to the next. I really like the smooth flow between each track. I really like that. The 22 minutes comes and goes very fast. This is 
barely an album in my mind. The fact that it's 22 minutes and 10 songs, that does not count as an AP to me. But that's just me, just saying. I'm hopping on that soapbox once again. Has to be said. Um, since TK Minds was literally five seconds less or more. Uh, yeah, five seconds more on the runtime, just saying. Uh, but how about but people just say uh, you shouldn't care, so fuck me, right? Uh, but yeah, man, apart from that, solid album can't complain my album of the year or anything but uh yeah some just just some good stuff on there i feel feel like it's really good background listen uh just to throw on and uh vibe to uh next up is snow allegra with the worst album artwork this year i have seen um i just i don't i don't get it like it's like someone just took a just took a generic photo from her on getty images and then just made her eyes pink and then made this whatever this this i don't know what you want to call that font going on there i i, I don't i don't get it like the whole just it, it, it screams graphic design is my passion you know um but apart from that it's actually a really solid album it, the artwork is not representative of the album's quality ladies and gentlemen um i really like just just it just comes out really hitting uh indecisive lost you boom boom uh, Neon Peach with Tyler's on, uh, that's, that's banging. Tangerine Dream and Temporary Highs are just perfect middle middle tracks, really like that. And uh, the finishes on uh, Dying for Your Love and Save Yourself, I uh, really, like uh, really like the finishes. Um, so yeah man, super supreme uh, bit of, um, a bit of modern R&B going on. Uh, I don't think it's really underrated in my mind, like, cause I, I just, hmm. I, I never think about her from like, like, uh, as if she's, you know, one of the best going right now, but she really in, is, I yeah. think. Like her yeah, I really think she, you know, like, yeah, so yeah. Yeah. I know people mention her. I know people, I know, like, me saying that uh, isn't going to, you know, because uh, if you know, you know, basically. I think that's kind of the thing with Snow Allegra. Um, but yeah, I, I just feel like she's. I just I just feel like she's top tier, and uh, I don't I don't know if it comes across like that uh, for most people. I'm not I'm not sure. Maybe it's just me. Um, and lastly, uh, Don Monique, get it? Don Monique, uh, boss bitch Bible, um, <laughs> and via the uh, and just 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 go by the title, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you know it slaps. Uh, just just go by the title. It's, it bangs. It is heat. Um, I really like. Uh, let me let me look up the track. Let's right think that, is that Harry Let's Fraud see. on that project, Dominique? Harry Fraud is on that on that uh, on this EP. Uh, I forget which track. It might be Community Dick. Uh, <laughs> I spoke about that a couple might, of weeks ago. It might be like, Community Dick. Community um, yeah. Dick. Yeah, yeah, it might be community. I mean, this did come out in June. I just realised, uh, but uh, yeah, it did come out in June. But yeah, I, I just got to it, found it, saw it, and I was like, go on then. Um, and yeah, man, I really enjoyed it. Solid. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's. it's I, I like the. I like the fact she's like just really close to the mic, talking to it near ASMR levels. I really like that. I don't know why. It just really. It's really enticing. And uh, yeah, it's just. It's, you feel like she should be shouting it to you, but she doesn't. It's just. But it still hits. And the bass on like no arguing the cause of effect. Uh, just absolutely bang. Um, but yeah, man, solid DP. Love that EP. Uh, great stuff. And with that said, we get into, in record timing, uh, part two uh, of our LL Cool J uh, retrospective. And uh, it goes downhill from here, ladies and gentlemen. Just want to just wanna lay that up mm. <laughs> for Ben. Because, mm. uh, uh, yeah, it's just, it, is, it is what it is. It's one of those, like, it, I think... You know, we had some, the first half was like up and down, up and down, you know what I mean? We had that kind of thing going on. 
but yeah, we get some. It's like a roller coaster with this one. I feel in this in in, in how we're going to talk about these. Uh, so yeah, plenty of albums to get through. Let's go. Uh, yeah, so we rejoin the story after LL's 93 album, 14 Shots to the Dome. Now, a quick recap, if you weren't listening last week. LL debuted in 1985 with Radio, which is a high watermark for commercial hip-hop at the time, one of the most influential records in the 1980s, and the very first full-length release on Def Jam, and the first record Rick Rubin produced in full. Then LL popularized the rap ballad with I Need Love before becoming the first Raptor in history to go multi-platinum with no features on Bigger and Deffer. But the whole thing was patchy because LL struggled to remain relevant and in 1989 his Walking with a Panther album was criticized for being too poppy and relying too heavily on his previous work. Because around this time obviously the native tongues were changing hip-hop forever and LL needed a hit back, which he did on Knock You Out, which is arguably a classic record. But again, LL lost his way on 14 Shots to the Dome, which was a 1993 album that sounded like it dropped in 1989. It was received pretty poorly and it was his first album not to go platinum. So we end up in 1993 and LL had to adapt again because as we said last week at the end, 1988 to 1994 was the period of the most change hip-hop has ever seen, the most progression, the most diversity in sound. And to be honest, 14 Shots to the Dome sounded like something Ice Cube might have done if he went solo in 1988. But LL had a trick up his sleeve. He can act. Not only that, He's packed full of charisma and humor. I watch his interviews and he is entrancing. Honestly, he has game, 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 game so much. Even when he picked up his first credit in 1985's Kush Groove, thrashing around the small office to I Need a Beat, you could see his presence on screen. And he appeared in The Hard Way in 1991. And then the epic flop, which was Toys with uh, Robin Williams, I think was in it, in 1993. But he had his name on the poster on that film. It was the NBC series In the House, which actually starred LL as Marion James Hill, an ex-footballer who forms a bond with a single mother and her two children that endeared LL to a huge audience because the show ran for five seasons, which was a total of 76 episodes. And in 1995, it blew up, comparatively, 11.1 million viewers for the first season. There was a lot of talk about LL somehow. This is funny around <laughs> Bro, there were think pieces about whether LL had lost his street credibility with the role. I read freaking think pieces on it. It was weird. So weird. Obviously, LL laughed at this. You know, in an interview with LA Times, he said, but a person who was part of the hip-hop culture would say, oh, LL's hustling. He's expanding. He's moving on even more. And that's good. And that's going to be key. That's going to be so key when we get to the end of this uh, of this episode. So despite the show drifting away in later years, what it did was place LL in a whole other environment, which was the living room. He was no longer the rapper with his shirt off, crooning to girls and ending careers. He became part of the family. And this hustle, as LL called it, would become his day job at the end of this story. But it's very vital to speak about it here because he's a fucking genius. Like, yes, Will Smith had his own show. Queen Latifah did too. But LL did it differently. He didn't seem perturbed by normal markers of success. And I think his genius was really beginning to reveal itself the further we go down this path. Because at the start, it seemed like acting was just another way to build the brand of LL Cool J. And I think this is where he differs. This is where he begins to diversify. This is where he... Jay-Z had a similar... If you think about Jay-Z, had a similar realization early in his career. I'm not going to get stupid rich just off music alone. And LL might have taken him a touch longer, but he did it before Jay-Z. You know, Jay-Z did this in, what, 97, 98, when Rock, Rock Aware 
um, began. But like LL did realize this in like 95. And by 1997, by 1997, just four years after 14 Shots of the Dome, his brand was huge. He'd done stuff with Coke, with Gap, with FUBU. He'd released a book. And I want to, 1997, okay? Like, remember that. This guy is a pioneer in so many ways. But I want to press upon people this point. LL Cool J knew exactly how to explain his influence through extracurricular activities. I truly do believe his hit and miss struggles as an artist in the previous eight years had impressed upon him a realization he needed to ensure his revenue streams were diverse. And LL expanded. And, you know, we're going to talk about the music in this, which is patchy. It goes up and down. But um, I really do want to impress that he was building an empire back then, and it's an empire that still exists to this very day. So, yeah, we get Mr. Smith, 1995. Yeah, and, um, I mean, it's uh, clearly his uh, best album in most people's minds. Uh, and, you know, it's funny, actually. I was thinking about this while like listening to this and obviously all the other albums. I was just like... I was like, I don't know how, I wouldn't know even how to, you know, just uh, rank these albums because, like, his, it's it's literally either, it's either, like, a good album or a bad album to me. There's no, I mean, you could, you could, you could I guess you could make an in-between argument, but, like, I don't know, I just feel like I either enjoy the album or I really don't enjoy the album. It's never, it's never in the middle to me. It's never like, eh, it was right, you know what I mean? Um... But yeah, I like I like this I like I like this album. It's, it's cool. Um, uh, I like the messaging in hip hop uh, as a track. Uh, I just like the you know just the overall shout out nature to it, um, and just uh, you know how how it wasn't just you know shouting out. It was actually really well constructed as you know just lyrical construction um, and verse construction. Hey, lover with boys to men bangs. Uh, I shot you, especially the remix. Fuck the remix, bro. Like mm. Prodigy, Fat Joe, Keith, Murray, Foxy, they all go off, and that beat, ah, uh, that beat is just a, a, a freestyle classic. Like every DJ needs to have that. If you're hosting a radio show that does freestyles, you need to have that instrumental in your repertoire. Like it needs to be there because. The amount of people that have tried to go off on that track is uh, on that um on that well track masters beat uh, is great um and even even the production actually just um you know track masters mainly uh, but you know easy mode be on life as uh, is very fascinating uh, lounging uh, Rashad Smith uh, production and uh, uh, Terry and Monica on that it's just interesting uh, Hollis to Hollywood uh, kind of linking back I guess to the Cali uh, going back to Cali track that we talked about last week. Yeah, man. So obviously, you know the the thirty double platinum uh, album, and uh, yeah, probably uh, is it his most successful album? Uh no, no. It wouldn't no? be considered okay. his most successful. I would say, I mean, it only charted twenty on the Billboard two hundred, which is, I think, his second low, third lowest. It's that's surprising, honestly, comp- considering how. How listened, I think it still is. Uh, well, certain songs anyway. Probably not the whole album, but you know, it, it, that is in, that is interesting. Uh, that it wouldn't be classed as that. But any, regardless of that, yeah, it's a it's a solid album. It's great. It'd be interesting to I see. I love how it says on Wikipedia, hardcore hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, real Wikipedia hardcore. Yeah, 
That's well, hardcore Miss, shit. <laughs> I mean, Mama Said Knock You Out was 76 weeks on the Billboard 200, and Mr. Smith was 62 weeks, so, you know, that's the second highest. So I actually didn't think this album was that great, to be honest. Like, I thought, uh, I think it had to be something special musically to compete with Nas, Biggie, Park, Mob Deep, Onyx, just so many, so many at this point, you know, freaking outcast like everyone was dropping incredible music at this point um when the fugees was okay, uh, 96 well, <laughs> say go <laughs> no i was just like uh, I, I was saying it in the context of just little cool j but yes you, you brought that back in it's fine but go for it <laughs> okay yeah well i mean i just think he had to bring something else to the table i i think we got a solid album but i didn't think it was anything particularly outstanding i thought um, he tried to, tried to straddle the gap between his love songs and his harder edge music by fusing them together. I think it felt more more than giving us distinct songs in each camp. Every every song had an element of the other thing. Obviously, of course, we had the uh, really intense tracks, um, you know, I Shot You and the remix, which were incredible. I really love it when he actually brings these kind of... We'll see it in later as we get further in his career, but like when he brings on like Prodigy and Fat Joe, you know, actual actual rappers, like really good rappers. I think he sounds really good next to them. Um, yeah, man, I think Rolling Stone kind of nailed it yet again, ironically this time. He said, maybe one day LL will realize that it's his electrifying flow, not his Casanova aspirations that have made him a rap superstar for 10 years running. Now... I disagree in the sense of his commercial success, I think, came from his Casanova aspirations. But I think uh, when, you know, on Knock You Out, when he just lyrically eviscerated three rappers in one song, and that's the thing that endures now in, in this day and age. And when you hear interviews with him, that's what people want to talk about. They want to talk about cannabis. They want to talk about Cool Mo D. They want to talk about MC Hammer. They don't want to talk about... I need love as much, you know, it's always about how did you end the careers of these rappers? Um, And yeah, man, like, that's the thing, like, this this album with regards to singles, they were incredible. Hey Lover went number three, Doing It went number nine, Lounger went number four, but they're all R&B crossovers, you know, so when Rolling Stone says that about, you know, it's not his Casanova aspirations, I mean, why wouldn't he be putting these kind of songs on the album if they're doing that well on the Hot 100? That's incredible. All of those charted higher than the album. And that's rare. You know, I've done a lot of work on charts and it's not particularly difficult to go number one or number two or number three on the Billboard 200. It it happens a lot. But to go top three on the Hot 100... That's a whole other landscape, so that's incredible, man. And I never saw LL as a singles artist, but I guess on this record he, he kind of was, which is weird because mm. the album tracks on here are great. They really are great. And I think the production is good. I think the production is good. I, I just uh, maybe I'm jaded because like 995 was such a crazy time in hip hop. I just I don't go back to this album as much as I go. Well, I don't go back to it at all in comparison to other albums. So maybe that's why I feel that way. But then we get Phenomenon, which was uh, 1997. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know about this one. It's it's kind of very similar. That beat, oh, man. What the fuck is that? The, the bass, <laughs> okay. man. The oh, bass. The, the, of... well, for the first track. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Okay, yeah. Diddy. Yeah, yeah Diddy. The, the, the first. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Diddy <laughs> for the Hitmen. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, Did let's, he? Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. <laughs> um, but yes, that track is heat. 
that track is classic to me. Uh, I I'm not a fan of like uh, LL Cool J literally trying to lick my ear uh, through the mic. <laughs> uh, not a fan of that. Um, but Expand, I do like the Charlie, beat. Open your mind, man. Come on. Shut up. Um, <laughs> get off my ear, bro. Um, but yeah, so it's a heater. It's a classic track. Uh, that beat is just elite. Um, and I kind of think it's just one of those, uh, you know, it's short, you know what I mean? It's 10 tracks, just under 45 minutes, so it doesn't really stay with you. And I feel like that's probably a good thing um, because, you know, we're going to get into some albums that are absurdly long and don't need to be. Um, so, yeah, this is um, I short and I'm glad it is. Um but yeah, I just I just come I just came out of it just not really remembering much, so to speak, apart from maybe like four, three, two, one. But that's only because you know cannabis, DMX. Well, funny, can, we're going to mention cannabis in a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, DMX, Master P, uh, and Meth and Red. Uh, you know that's that's that's, that's only because it's, it, they're there. I feel like it's good and Eric Sermon production. Like you know, come on, can't miss. Um, you know, Buster on Starsky and Hutch was fun. Uh, that was a fun back and forth. Um, but yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like if it was, it, I feel like the fact that it's shorter than most of the LL's albums, uh, I feel like I would remember it more. But I listened to this like earlier in the week, and I was just like, well, I remember Phenomenon for sure. I remember Four Three Two One. Um, I do remember. Oh yes, okay, yeah. Father and don't be late, don't come too soon. Yeah, that uh, those, yeah, especially father. That was just that just really took me out. Like those two tracks just took me out of the album. They just, they pulled me into something completely different. I thought I was listening to a completely different album. I was just mm. like, what's going on here? Um, so yeah, that those those two really, uh, I think killed the killed the vibe for me. Uh, for whatever vibe there was previously. Um, uh, but yes, uh. Yeah, just just listen to the first track and you know maybe four, three, two, one. You'll be you'll be fine. Poor old cannabis, poor old cannabis, man. So apparently the beef uh, began when LL Cool J was in the studio with cannabis, and this is LL talking on uh, Drink Champs, and LL had a microphone tattoo on his arm, and cannabis said, "I want to get a similar one." And LL was confused by that. He was like, get your own tattoo. Like, don't get my tattoo. Get, get you know, get your own tattoo. And then when he heard Cannabis's verse with obviously snatch the mic off your arm, he uh, didn't take too kindly to it. And, you know, I mean, that's a take the mic off you is a thing back in the day. Like if you're up performing and someone rips the microphone out of your hand, that's disrespectful. It means that you're doing very poorly. Uh, so that was the thing, man, and this is, I guess that's the enduring tale of this album, is the beef. I mean, look, at this stage, I don't know who's going up against El Cool J or attempting to take El Cool J in, in a rap battle because you're going to lose that. Like, he's just unbelievable. You know, we joke about the rap ballads and the, the Casanova aspirations, but holy shit, man, the guy can end careers. So, yeah, I, I like this album a lot, man. I, I really do like this album. Um, that phenomenon was the very first song I ever heard from LL. It was on this hip hop mix CD that I bought, which had uh, had I Got Five on it by Looney's Gravel Pit by Wu Tang, a bunch of other great songs on there. And again, I think this is another example of LL seeing something that worked, which was again the R and B songs on 
Mr. Smith and then trying to do it again, which didn't work. I don't think the R&B songs on here worked at all. I think, you know, it went number seven on the Billboard 200, which is really good. And this was a really interesting time in L.L.'s career. It was 12 years since his debut album, and he was experiencing a commercial renaissance that, you know, not a lot of people were going to manage at this point. Like, number seven on the Billboard 200, 12 years into your career, especially in the late 90s, if you came out in the mid-80s, I don't think anyone was doing that. What did Slick Rick's 1999 album go? I don't remember. I might just look that up, because I can't think of too many other artists who were doing what... 99.9 went number eight, The Art of Storytelling. So I think, you know, this was a pretty rare rare thing for LL to be doing at this time. Um, and, you know, his autobiography had just come out. Uh, basic, this, song, this album is basically the soundtrack uh, for that. And I think this album is a bit of a rehash also of Knock You Out, but with the glitz of 1997, I think Diddy came in and did a really good job executive producing it. Obviously, he was on top of his game in 1997. Um, and I think tracks like Starsky and Hutch with Buster Rhymes show an ability to identify uh, just the kind of, what's the right way to say it? Like he's, he, that's why I think he went back to that, um, that, that knock you out kind of thing. This is LL Cool J flexing his lyrical muscles next to genuinely good rappers. Method Man, Red Man, Cannabis, DMX. DMX at his absolute hungriest. And that's one element that's been missing thus far, I think, was LL rapping next to lyrical legends. We get a lot of diss tracks and overtly aggressive content, but we didn't often see him alongside lyricists. It kind of makes the Keith Sweat track look like a bit of a weird aside if you've just joined LL's career, that phenomenon. Um, but it's, it, you know, you've got to remember that LL was international at this point in a huge way. Ain't Nobody from the Beavers and Butthead Do America soundtrack actually went number one in the UK Number one in the UK, bro, 1996, 1997. And then Lounge uh, went number seven. UK, who was going, Who? what UK rappers were doing that in the top 10? I can't think of anyone who was actually a UK rapper who was, it's, it's boggling, man. It's, it's, it's wild. Um, there was also a Greatest Hitch project in 1996. His label dropped that, which was super presumptuous. Um, but for LL, I thought it was a great strategy because his career had been patchy, but he had super hits. And to put it into a Greatest Hits album, it worked. So Phenomenon was a really interesting album. Um, uh, it's, again, man, it's, it's always a bit of a mishmash with LL albums. But then we get uh, Goat, the greatest of all time. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like just the fact that it's called that makes me want to hate this album. If that makes any sense, like it's just, it's just, it doesn't deserve that. It doesn't deserve this title. It just doesn't. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's a high. Like again, see, you know what? As soon as I said, as soon as I said the, um, as, as soon as I said, you yeah, I've loved what you hate it. I'm just like, why did I say that? Because I really. I really am in the middle of a lot of these. Like, there's, this is the thing, and this is the consistent theme. I like, like literally three or four tracks out of every album maybe less and i'm and I'm, you know the rest of them are just like i'm i'll be fine if i don't listen to it again but uh i think it i think because my overton window for hating an album is much deeper than most overton and window man. again whoa, whoa. overton window you don't yeah. know overton window i i've yeah, heard you know the that? term yeah. we've spoken about it oh. on podcasts yeah, but yeah, I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm not super familiar yeah, what, with what, it, what, yeah. 
yeah uh well look it up um but yeah so it's a great term once i learned it i was like oh boss term um but anyway yeah forget about it banger 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 right um and then uh, maybe you can't fuck with me but that's only because snoop and exhibit is on there i don't really like the dj scratch uh production on that one uh the queen is with prodigy cool again partly because prodigy's there everything else like but when i belong just oh like, I just, I just uh, listening to Jar Rule now makes me want to, like, do... When we next do a DITE Bites, just talk about, um, just talk about clones, because... Oh, no. It just, Don't I just, it's it. just... Don't say it. I, why? No, it is. It's, it's it is. It is. It's not. It, it is. is. He, he, he... Okay, whatever. Anyway, for a later time. But anyway, I just... Uh, I just didn't like that hook at all. Like it was just no reason to. I don't know. It just didn't sound right to me. It was just. Uh, I I know it sounds like Jar Rule. Doesn't sound any different from any other Jar Rule track, but or Jar Rule feature. But I was just like, Ugh. but yeah, man. I I just uh, the fact that it's named Goat just irks me a bit, honestly. <laughs> um, it I, I don't know, and yeah, I I, I don't know, man. It's it just uh, the the beats are. I mean, it it came out in 2000, so, <laughs> you know, we're getting into that time oh, yeah. where I'm just starting to feel type of way about beats, and I'm just like, and it already began, it, it literally already began with this particular album, and I was just like, okay, okay, I'm starting to tune out here from hearing these beats, so here's, here's what it is. This one I began to tune in. I was really tuned in by the GOAT stage. Actually, so... In the year 2000, LL Cool J finally picked up his very first number one album. It was 5,430 days since his debut record, which is the longest wait in hip-hop history for a number one album on the Billboard 200. And I measured it from the time from his debut, like when his debut was released, to when he released his first number one. It was 15 years. And the second longest was actually Common, from 1992 to Finding Forever in 2007. It was one day shorter. Common waited one day less than LL Cool J. But still, this is another first, man. And this is not a stat I would associate with LL. Because he was such a commercial pioneer, it's mind-boggling to think it took him to the year 2000 for his first number one. I can't explain it other than things just didn't align for him prior to that. I, I can't explain it because by the 96, everyone was going number one. This was the, the, the age of the number ones. You know, 98, everyone was going number one. So it took him to 2000. And, um, you know, this album came amidst LL's explosion in the film world. Halloween H2O in 1998, uh, Deep Blue Sea in 1999. In 98 alone, he had five roles. 99, he had three roles. 2000, he was in Charlie's Angels, which was his big, biggest credit up to that point. Goat is hardly his opus. You know, uh, some people actually claim the only real lasting impression the album has was a popularization of the term goat. He actually took to Twitter to claim that he introduced the term via this album. I was I, thinking about that. Yeah, I mean, look, I haven't, um, I haven't done the research on it. I haven't looked into it, but uh, it would not surprise me if you know it's similar with uh, Little Wayne with the bling kind of thing. It was probably being said prior, but you know, it takes someone to actually push it over the edge and, and make it an ubiquitous term. And it's possible that LL did that. Um, I do think that this album is, is pretty forgettable. I do like the beats a lot because it's my kind of production. 
But again, I think it's it's a rehash of his previous record. Um, I do like the features a lot on here. I think Jay Felony does well. Uh, obviously, exhibits nice. Uh, Queens, I think could have Queens is sorry could have been on the Infamous. I think that's a really good song. I just wish LL would just do a whole album of this kind of thing. We've never gotten that. We ne- this is the thing. We never in his whole career did we get a whole album of Queens is or a whole album of I Shot Ya or a whole album of, you know, these kind of songs. And he could have done it, but it's just like, I, I mean, it's his it's his artistic direction. He goes where he wants to go. I fully, you know, respect that and, and recognize that. But I would have loved just, 10 tracks just going crazy lyrically but we didn't get that and we get 2002's 10 which is my favorite ll album and one of my favorite albums of all time okay um well that, that sets up a precedent for me what well, charlie what do you think about ben's favorite album ever <laughs> um i don't oh. know i don't know guys i'm joking um uh Paradise is one of my favorite tracks. Uh, Paradise is very ever. nice. You know, Paradise uh, is very Paradise very nice. is in fact very I can nice. I can categorically say that Paradise is in fact very nice. Mm. Um but yeah, Amory just fucking floats on that. Uh just just that that uh yeah, the beats uh, the beat on that is clean. Um and yeah, uh you know, past that it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. I, I I I don't I don't really I'm 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 still this is why I said this to Ben right I was like I'm 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 generally interested in why you like Ten so much because okay. like it, it's 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 cool like it's better than the past few albums that we've been talking about um but I'm not really seeing like oh I'm blown away front to back it's been amazing listen you know what I mean. Like uh, after school with Diddy. Ooh, after school, uh, we take a dip in the pool. Lolly, <laughs> lo- yeah, that. Oh gosh. After school, we take a dip in the pool. <laughs> oh no, no, not for me. Uh, lollipop. Mm. Uh, sorry. Oh, 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 oh. I know. I know. Ben's not going to say this. Uh, say this. Uh, a track title just because it's too close to it, but. Bruv, you can't oh, yeah. you can't give me niggy nuts and you can't give me niggy nuts, fam. I'm sorry, that just don't sound right. The way he says it on the track as well, it sounds like someone else. Like it's so off-putting. Nuts. Oh, I was just like, what? what? Please stop saying niggy nuts. It doesn't sound right. It just doesn't. I don't know. It's just. Oh, I mean, I guess it feels like if if I like Redman said it, then I'd probably fuck with it. But I just don't know with LL Cool J saying it, and he, and again he just sounds like he doesn't sound like LL Cool J when he says it. It's just, uh, uh, don't like, don't know. But yeah, uh, just the middle of this album, man. Like, what about Clock and like G's? Clock and G's is a good song. Okay. The beat. The beat. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you Clock and G's. <laughs> you happy now? I'll give you Clock and G's. Um. Oh yeah, I uh, again. It's just I don't know, man. It's just there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that just makes you go, mm, don't know, not not into it, not into it uh, personally. Um, but yeah, I I just I just want to know, like, is it just the fact that the Neptunes were all over it, or did you just really like Cool J's performance and everything? Like, I don't know. I'm just trying. I'm just struggling to think how this is a front to back like banger for you. Okay, well, the first song i ever heard from ll was phenomenon but then i also heard uh 
all I have. Is it all I have? My love is all I have. And then he goes, pride is what you have, baby girl, not what you have. You know that one the, with Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bonus track on this. It was massive, massive in Australia. And what was this, 02? So I'm like 13, 14 years old. Uh, it came out October 15, so it came out three days prior to me turning 14. So I had never heard hip-hop really before. You know, I'd, I'd heard snatches here and there, like little bits. And obviously this came out around the time Blueprint 2 came out. And both these albums, along with uh, Pay the Cost to Be the Boss by Snoop Dogg and uh, Buster Rhymes, It Ain't Safe No More, all came out. I think they came out the same year. And like, I, I adore hip-hop. I've always loved hip-hop since, you know, the first time I ever heard it. And it's my favorite, my favorite musical genre. This is one of the first albums I ever heard in hip-hop. Like, you know, for a hip-hop album, like, I, I didn't grow up on The Infamous and Ready to Die and, you know, Illmatic and Reasonable Doubt. I didn't grow up on that. I grew up on Blueprint 2. You grew LL up on cool. 10. I grew up on 10. I, I did genuinely grow up on 10. And, you know, I have, like, when I when I was in school, I was, I was not very popular at all. I was bullied quite a lot. And especially for listening to hip-hop. People did not like the fact I listened to hip-hop. And one day we're at the swimming carnival, or it might have been the athletics carnival actually, and I had my little discman with me, right? And um, I was by myself because I had literally like no friends at this point, no friends at all. And I was listening to Tan by LL Cool J. And some of the cool kids behind me uh, were making fun of me and like they grabbed my CD wallet and started like flicking through it. And then they found like Low End Theory and they found Blueprint 2 and they found a Ja Rule album and then they found... Uh, the, the CD case for 10. And they said, do you like LL Cool J? I'm like, yeah, 10's a good album. And that day I was popular. Like I was never popular again after that day. They just wanted to listen to the album because they hadn't actually heard it yet. But I was, I was, I had the album and I was, I was popular that one day. And it's the production, man. I really love the production on here. Obviously this is just, this is where I grew up on. I can't, you know, I can't say anything else. Like I grew up on this record. Okay. I played it front to back to front to back like over and yeah, over throwing because, their meals up yeah well i didn't have anything else man like when i was 14 <laughs> i could i couldn't go out and buy a bunch of records and you know this was pre-piracy so no, right. it's yeah. like you know I, I put my money i invested my money in this i bought blueprint 2 i bought you know snoop's album and i bought uh buster's album and that's just all it's just back and forth back and forth and yeah man i just i love the production on here i really do i think I, you know, it's weird because I, I can't say necessarily that this album is any different to most LL albums. I can't go in and say, yeah, this is heaps different. This is crazy. This is unbelievable. This is like a whole other level above. I'm fully aware it's not really. It's just that subjective thing where it's like a nostalgic kind of thing. And mm. um, I love it, man. I, I do. And I put it on a lot and it just kind of throws me back a little bit feels comfortable. Um, Lollipop's a terrible song, I, I will say objectively. <laughs> I, I can't do Lollipop. After school, I, can't, I don't enjoy that song very much at all. You know, these are skips Not taking the dip in the pool? No. After school... Not taking the dip in the pool? I didn't have the... Are you, are you color, throwing your L's up? Well, I didn't have the colour TV, so I couldn't see <laughs> the Knicks play basketball. Like, I couldn't... Oh, I know, I didn't. Re- I couldn't shame. relate. So Shame. shame. It just, shame. It it's, aspira- it's aspirational, bro. It's aspirational. Yeah, I still haven't got there yet. Maybe we one all, day. We all grow up to see the Knicks on Colour TV. Yeah. So anyway, that was me. Uh, that That's 10. And then we get to... um, we And sorry, I apologize for my uh, attempt to sing like Jennifer Lopez there. I thought it came out all right. But when I do sing, people criticize me a lot when I get in my falsetto. So if I hurt your ears, <laughs> I take full responsibility. 
we get into the definition. Sorry, guys, I'll, I'll, I'll lower the volume uh, just to help you guys out. Um, yeah. I mean, head sprung, bro. Uh, I just, I, I wanted to just kill the album from there. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, that, that, that song just beat the shit out of my ears, man. I was just, I was just not liking that at all. That was some 2004 bullshit, man. I just, uh, oh God, that. See, this is when we when we end up. I don't know if we're ever gonna do a Timberland uh, um, <laughs> retrospective, but I I'm not really looking forward to if we ever do because sometimes I and we had this conversation when we were talking about Missy. You know, I mean, obviously their practical duet uh, nature, um, but yeah, sometimes I hear a uh, sometimes I hear a uh, I I I don't know why, bro. I'm not even lying to you. I knew I didn't even know this was a Timbaland beat, but as soon as I heard you know, it, I was like, "This is a Timbaland beat. beat." I fucking knew it was a Timbaland beat, <laughs> and then time, I looked up, right? I was Every like, time. "I fucking knew it is a Timbaland beat." I just, mm, god damn, and just, yeah, hey. we'd be up in the club, we'd be posting the back, about to get our heads sprung. How, how oh. many times was Timbaland up in a club? Like he was always in the club. Always in the club. He was so. He was literally everywhere. It's yeah. so. Like, Every club. Oh, so annoying. And then, you know, and, and you know, we have to say it. Oh, Kelly! Track three. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Had to do it. Had to throw it in. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, it just doesn't. It doesn't really get better than Headsprung, to be honest. Like, it doesn't get any better. It doesn't get any worse. Um, yeah, I just. Um, it just. Uh, it's a. It's a wash for me, to be honest. It's a bit of a wash. Uh, I can't really. Uh, Apple Cobbler was a bit uh, cringe. I'm not a um, big fan of Apple Cobbler. <laughs> Apple Cobbler was a next Come level on, cringe. Do we have to do this? Um, Come on, man. Well, do you want me to read some Apple Cobbler to oh, you? But how old is he at this point? Do you want me to get up it's some not, Apple Cobbler? He's not 17 yeah. anymore, man. <laughs> like, bro, come on. Let's read some Apple Cobbler, shall we? Uh, where should we go? Where should we go? Let's go with verse 2. What's that saying? Oh, here we go, yeah. <laughs> so much sugar is making my head rush. <laughs> Tell me what the recipe is for that stuff. <laughs> Break me off a piece of crust. <laughs> oh, no, I'm crust. so full. <laughs> I'm about to bust. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Just one slice is not enough. <laughs> Dang, that thing tight like handcuffs. <laughs> what I gotta say to you for you to give it up? What if I was paying you so you could live it up? Oh, Hoochie yeah. seats inside your truck. Tiffany rocks and trillion cuts. You be Starsky, I be Hutch. <laughs> right shotgun, I pop that clutch. Oh. Juicy sweatpants drive me nuts. Oh. Take my two-way, stay in touch. Oh, that's a fucking 2004 reference. Two-way. Got a two-way. Got the motor on two-way. Oh, my God. <laughs> Shout out to Motorola. Uh, I'm God scoop you, heat you up, take you, bake you, eat you up. Right. Who in hip hop history has rhymed crust with bust? (laughs) 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 
Can you see? Can you see? Can you see, guys? Can you see? The, the okay, imagery right. of that is horrific. It's so, it's so, oh gosh. He must be 30 odd around this time, right? Put, put an explicit warning on this episode, man. Fucking no, hell. No. I put explicit warning every episode. LL Cool J was born in 1968, so he was, yeah, he would have been old, man. Freaking, oh dear. He would have been very old then. 1968. What year did this come out? Nine, 2006. 2004. Yeah, it's about 2004. 2004, sorry. Fuck me. 36 How years. old is he? 36 years old he was. 36? That's, mm. too, no, that's, too, that's too much. No, I'm sorry. That gives me hope, man. I'm, I'm 32 and I can still be busting off the crust. Oh, I mean, you haven't said anything, Ben, so if you want to go for it. I mean, look. What's your thoughts, Ben? Look, as, as LL's career progressed, he seemed to become more and more reliant on one or two centerpiece songs and just a bunch of filler around. You know, I think Headsprung is the focal point of this album. He does this a lot with intros, man. He, he jumps on Phenomenon. You know, he jumps on and gives you a, a really strong intro. I like the song. Because I like Timbo and I like this kind of sound, but I can understand, you know, it's dated. It's very dated. Uh, but we just get such patchy. You know, Timbo, Timberland does have some patchiness. Rub my back, which feels like a Justin Timberlake seaside. I mean, you know, remember Tim- <laughs> Timbo was doing future sex love sounds around this time, and this sounds uh, like it was just, yeah, just yeah, that future sex love show. sounds was 06 and this was 04. So was, this is transitioning into this, you know. Uh, moving something is great. I think that sounds like a Swiss Beats cast off in a good way. But again, Timbaland comes back in with his R&B catalog. And, you know, the the Timbaland R&B songs on here, I'm not enjoying. And we know rappers who rap about one or two topics exclusively toe a very difficult line. Pusha T is the gold standard, right? LL is just with women. And, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful because the amount of women LL has entertained is a lot. It's a lot, obviously, you know, women like LL Cool J's. It's not necessarily for me, these songs, but like, I I can't listen to Apple Cobbler at, at 36 <laughs> in 04, you know, I just, it's like, um, what's your flavor? But like, but what, what's your flavor? Craig David was probably 20 when he made that, you know, like, it's just, it was Craig David, right? What's your flavor? Is that the what's your flavor? Tell, Tell me what's your flavor. Is that the one you're flavor? talking about? Yeah. What's your flavor? Uh, Craig David. I think it. I think it was it Craig David. Yeah, Craig David. Yeah, 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 yeah. Two thousand two. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He he was he was. I mean, and this is the thing, he right? I feel like there's a. He's exactly. Yeah, but you know, twenty-one year olds have said cringe shit. You know what I mean? So I don't. I don't want to. You know, I'll say this on behalf of both of us. Like, you know, it, it it's not it's not the fact that he's thirty six. It's just object. You know, Apple Cobbler is objectively cringe. I don't care if you're nineteen. Nobody yeah. should be saying that. Okay, like there's there's food there's food sex uh uh wordplay that anybody could do, but not that. I'm sorry, not that. That's just that's not it. Um, so you know, it's not even a matter of the age. It's just the fact that. LL has this, you know, and this is another thing. Not, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, let, I'll give you back the mic in a sec. But like, this is the thing. My one of my main problems with LL Cool J as a, as a rapper is the fact that he constantly talks about longevity, and 
that, that I, I get it, and that's something to flex, I guess. But it kind of doesn't. It kind of works against your favor if you're giving me this on your twelfth album. You know what I mean? Like it, uh, you shouldn't be doing this now. Like it's your twelfth album. You should be. You should know what's at least what's like good wordplay. You know? It, uh, yeah. But anyway. I, mean, I just want, I just want to say it's not about the age, so to speak, but obviously that you know adds to it. Yeah, I I yeah. I mean we get then we get Todd Smith, which is another one that I didn't even write anything about this because like I don't know what to write about. I mean it's <laughs> damn, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. Like it went six on the Billboard 200. It feels like LL just existing in this space. And like, look, man, it's not like he doesn't have the Rolodex. He's got Mary. He's got Jennifer Lopez. He's got Jewels. He's got Jamie Foxx, Tierra Marie, Freeway. This is probably his best feature list. Genuine one one two Neo was on here. Um, you know, the the production list, we've got JD, we've got Poke and Tone, Scott Storch, Bink, like, Def Jam throwing money, and this is, this is an interesting part about it, like, a lot of people wanted, uh, LL Cool J to become the president of Def Jam, but he didn't want to do that, and Jay-Z became the president of Def Jam, and this actually, they, they had a little bit of a beef around this time, because LL felt like Jay-Z wasn't pushing... LL's albums the way he should have especially in 06 a lot of people did criticize Jay-Z for Kingdom Come being this massive thing and Jay-Z basically saying I had to come back and save the label by dropping this record Kingdom Come you know uh, what did it sell first week we sold uh, 116k first week which is pretty low around this time I wouldn't say it's massive but it, I think it just reflects an inability to to change and move with the times. It's like he did, but it was always like he was a couple of years behind uh, sonically. You know, I think 06, this didn't sound that groundbreaking. I'm sorry, that shouldn't be an excuse. That shouldn't be an excuse. What like, do you mean? It, well, in terms of producers, like it, that shouldn't be an excuse. Like it's not. It's not if like... I mean, I mean, I'm not putting this on the producers. I mean, like, I think LL's choosing the beats. It's not... Okay. I mean, you've got Bink on here. Like, I don't think Bink's made very many bad beats at all. And they, this is not to say, like, we don't know the production, like, the actual... The way that it was produced. We don't know if he was sitting down with these artists. You know, like, we saw with Jay-Z on the Black album on Fade to Black, where he went and saw these sure. producers and he listened to everything and he worked with them and he, you know, he tried to create something... LL might have just been getting sent beats. I, I, I don't know, you know? And I find one of the funny things that I was reading the wiki entry, it says, this is the fourth album of LL's where he has appeared either shirtless or has used a bare exposed part of his body as part of the album cover. And like, you know, that's just... Okay. So and I can't, I can't be super mad. Like, I, it's just indicative of the kind of music he was making. I can't, again, I can't be super mad at it. I mean, it was doing well. There were people out there who liked this. It's just not necessarily for me. I felt by this stage I'd heard this enough times, you know, and that's why it's not my favorite project from him. Yeah, I even with like the features, um, I feel like some of them were just didn't hear for me. Like you mentioned Jennifer Lopez before, like Control Myself is horrible to me. I, I just did not enjoy that. There was no need for that. Uh, just the oh, let's just make a Latin track. So like, no, please don't. Like, mm. and then. Favorite flavor, Mary J. Um, I, I it, it kind of like it felt like a paradise re up and it just didn't work, mm. you know what I mean? And that's not on Mary J, that's just on everything else around it to me. I'm just like, it just come, it just came off as like a, a paradise 
flip. Like I, I don't know what you want to call it. Um, you know, freeway and what you want. I actually kind of enjoyed that track. Uh, I honestly, I, I'll take that back. I feel like most of the features here kind of saved the album for me. Uh, Jamie Foxx on Best Dress, really like that. I really like that track. Um, what you want with Freeway, like that track. Uh, I think either Ooh Wee, not Down the Aisle. Yeah, that was um, that was the wedding one in it. Yeah, mm. yeah well, uh, not not. Uh, I mean, that's cool. That's different. Because what I was going to say after ten, uh, I I was I meant I meant to say after ten, and after the specific last track of ten, uh, where he's talking about uh, you know, Big Mama, um, I felt like LL f- didn't have anything else to say, if that makes any sense, and I feel like that's just a death sentence for any uh, well artist, honestly, um, but. I said I, I was going to say that after definition, but then it came for this, and I was like, you know what? Down the aisle, that was something to say, I guess. That was cool. So I can't hate on that. Um, but yeah, I feel like the some of the, the features made this listenable to me. Um, but yeah, if 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 this was a if this was a no features thing, woo, it would have been a completely different story. A completely different story. Yeah, well, let me get exit thirteen, and this is an interesting album because. Oh. No, I know. I'm going to go in a different direction to you. Um, I think... So, in 03, LL Cool J played Officer Deacon in Strap SWAT. Him. And the movie grossed $207 million. He wrote a children's book called And the Winner Is. There was a fitness book called The Platinum Workout. He released a fourth book in 2007. And it was his acting that pushed his music to the back seat. And this is why I think he was kind of phoning it in a little bit during the 2000s. Because he was in Queen Latifah's Last Holiday. Uh, he guest starred on House and 30 Rock. With Exit 13, uh, obviously he was having pretty big label issues. He was having his issues with Jay-Z. He announced Exit 13 will be his last album with Def Jam, which brought one of the greatest partnerships in hip-hop history to a permanent end. And I actually think it's one of his best records. I think the production is inventive. I think it's relatively new. I think his cadences and his vocal tones are different and quite experimental for LL. He sounds invigorated and it's really refreshing. I do like this record. I do. It charted number nine, but the singles did not do well. Uh, The Dream single only went number 52. That was the highest. So I think more so than authentic, I think this album is the one that broke LL. And I see a lot of similarities between this and Before I Self-Destruct by 50 Cent because both artists tried really hard to diversify and and change their sound up and and like you know try something different and it was met with basically a blank stare commercially like people didn't it, well it, you know it just kind of made a blip it didn't do anything and I think to me this was when LL probably decided hip hop wasn't going to be his priority and statistically we can see that you get one more album in five years after this and nothing after that it's you know ironically 50 Cent was actually the executive producer on this record. And LL began his role in NCIS in 2009, and from there he's ridden a wave, you know. He's just, he's ascended to another level of uh, success and, and popularity. I think Exit 13 was never meant to be his second last album, because I think that he, the effort that he put into this versus the reward he got was too low. I, I just feel that way, man. Having listened to his previous however many albums, I felt like he finally was really trying something different on this record. He wasn't actually... It was just different. It just felt a different energy. And it didn't hit. 
it didn't hit. No one liked it. You know, I mean, it, it's got probably a terrible review average. I don't even know what its review average was, but LOL was getting hammered around this time. 57. 57, man. I don't know, man. Like, this is it, you know? And, yeah. I think I'll just read what he said. He said, the record just really honestly, you know, didn't have that support that I wish it would have. I can't blame anyone. It was my last record, and I guess for whatever reason, whether it was quality or business, you know, the company just decided that they were going to write it off and not really give it that shot. And to me, that was him just being like, damn, man, like, this is, I don't want to do this anymore. I do think that he tried on this record. I definitely got the feeling that he tried something different. Yeah, nice try. Uh, this is horrible. I, I, and, and, and above everything, everything, if you guys have listened for a minute now, uh, you know I am not a fan of long albums that just don't need to be long. It's so effing long. An hour and 20 minutes. Are you fucking with me? Like, you can't, you can't be doing that. You can't be doing that and then giving me what you gave. Uh, it, it, baby with the dream. Oh, God damn it. And then, uh, 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 Jesus Christ, it, get, it gets worse. Like, it, uh, it, uh, even feel my heart be with 50 on it. Like, why the fuck is 50 on that? Why? It doesn't make sense. Like, cry, horrible beat. Uh, I did like This Is Ringtone M with Grandmaster Kaz. Did like that. That was okay. Uh, Rocking With The Goat, not into it. Like A Radio. Okay. Yeah, you know what? 10 11, This Is Ringtone M and Like A Radio. Only thing I like about this album. Everything else, eh. And then... And then we get to, I have to talk about American Girl. Because I'm not even, I'm not American and I feel offended hearing this. Boom Dizzle Baby, way back in 1776. Who would have thought we would have these chicks? What? Some kind of slim and some extra thick. They make me feel so patriotic. (laughs) Man, American Girls are something to see. I bet Thomas Jefferson would love BET. Whoa! Stop! Bro, this stop, a, stop! Stop! This is stop, a precursor stop, to accidental racism. Stop! Stop! Yeah, literally, bro. It fucking is. You're not even kidding. <laughs> like, <laughs> we'll mention that at the end. But fuck me. This is like just that one. That one. I bet Thomas Jefferson would love BET. Has a lot to unpack that we can't. We can't do. We can't unpack this in the time we have. Uh, but just know it's horrible. Um, this is a celebration all across the land. Light up the f- light the fireworks. Bring out the marching band. Uncle L, I love the he- heartland. South Carolina, they looking so tan. Out in Kansas, they're so outlandish. Up in the gra- Nebraska, I know what you're after. I I I I'm I'm gonna make a bet that LL has never been to Nebraska. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Just I think this could um, be his worst lead song. Just a, just a bit. Is that a lead? I thought that was a single then. I was about to scream. Oh, no, no, no. I just meant like, you know, the. F- I mean, yeah, I think yeah, Accidental yeah. Racist is his first worst song. But yeah, I think yeah, just yeah, is- yeah. This, yeah this, is, this is up there. This is up there for me. Um, yeah. I, I just I just don't. The Americanness just makes me cringe. Uh, uh, wait, okay. Make Paul Revere want to ride again. Oh, wait. I get fast, harder, faster yeah. than a car from NASCAR. That's a rough. Oh, that's, that's so weak. That's a rough Weak. A if he bar. saw Jessica Simpson... Eat an ice cream cone, teeny bikini, red, white, and blue. American girl, I salute you. From Massachusetts to Albuquerque, back to the Midwest, as sweet as desserts be. Who is this track for? 
American who girls. Who? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it says it in the title, the... Charlie. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's not for us. We're not right, American nice. and we're not good. girls. <laughs> you know, what? I'll give you props. That was good. That was good. That was a good dry answer. I repeat, well done. That was good. But yeah, I, I just, I'm sorry. It just sucks. It just sucks. And on top of the length, like even, oh man, even come party with me with Sheik and Fat Joe. Oh, just I like it, man. Ah, uh, I love. Sheik. I don't know. It's it doesn't the beat don't mix. It doesn't fit with these guys. Well, it fits with LL clearly. Like fucking run he's gone on this these albums. But I just I, I'm not see I'm not trying to see Fat Joe and Sheik on that kind of beat, man. It's just not it for me. It's uh, only saving grace about this uh, about this uh, album is the five boroughs with KRS, Meth, and Jim Jones and Lil Kim. Like that's the only saving grace song. for me. Uncle Murder too. Um, yeah, um, yeah. That this is uh, ringtone murder and like a radio. Like those three tracks, fine. Everything else needs to go. I'm sorry. It just it's just it's just way too long unnecessary and i don't really know what to take from it other than that it's just it's just not necessary to be honest with you well this is how exactly i feel about authentic so charted at 23 which is ol's lowest since radio at 46 not one song of only a 23 i don't know how i made it's 23 but like no songs charted anywhere uh it has a 46 review average which is one of the lowest in hip-hop history on metacritic so Accidental Racist with Brad Paisley had already dropped a couple of weeks prior to this album. If you've never heard of that song, you can probably tell from the title. It has within it some horrors, and it really does. I, I um still perplexed at that song. Um, so, you know, he's up against it releasing this, this project when that came out. The press around that, I remember when it happened, and he was just hammered for it. And I think the production is decent on here. It's a, it's a decent mix of 2000, 2010s, but it just sounds like LL. He, as he sounded previously, but now he sounded even more like he had nothing else to say at all. Um, I even wrote here, maybe he didn't have that much to say in the first place. Uh, I think he did in the first five years of his career, but I think, you know, we see we're used to our, our legends musically maturing gracefully, like Styles P, Jada Kiss, Jay Z. You know, they they're delivering class now and not chasing necessarily commercial success. LL sound like he was still chasing commercial success on Authentic. And he'd been out of the arena too long. You know, it was five years since 08, Exit 13. And he did say on the first song he was worried about how, how people would react when he came back. And it was with indifference when this album came out. You know, maybe if you dropped this in 03, maybe. But in 2013, it was 15 years out of date, I think. Like, this is old. This is a really dated project. And... You know, since then, LL has teased GOAT 2 for about seven years, but that's not come out. He said he wanted to give the floor to newer artists, and I assume kind of, you know, be the, the person, you know, in charge of all that. But What? Yeah, that never happened. GOAT 2 never came out. Um, you know, to me, with regards to, to LL, hip-hop seems like riding a bike to LL. You know, he he's always been able to do it. And it was amazing when he was younger and it was, you know, his early career and he was just enjoying himself. It was it was free. It was it was great. But as time went on, it's like he had less and less time for it as he got older. And obviously he's a prolific actor. And I think that that can't be discounted in his musical output. 
I don't necessarily think LL Cool J cared too much past Mr. Smith. Is that fair to say? Like, I can't see him really trying anything crazy. Like, I know I did say Exit 13, yeah. he tries a lot. But I, I just think it wasn't even a grand statement. It wasn't a concept album. It wasn't something massive. It was just him. Same with Before I Self-Destruct with 50 Cent. I don't think 50 Cent tried anything totally crazy on that record. I think they both just expanded a little bit and tried some a little bit different cadences, different vocal tones, different kind of beats. But yeah, man, I, I just think... I don't see LL putting that much effort into his records past 1995. And I think he's the quintessential crossover artist. You know, hip hop, like, and just in general, hip hop to R and B to pop, gangster rap to acting to country music, country music, country <laughs> music. Man, he tried everything. He's supremely talented, and I think he's the blu- the blueprint of how to age successfully in hip hop. You know, you have to be very talented, obviously, but I think he showed you don't have to be the have the greatest discography of all time to be considered one of the greatest of all time. And his contributions to hip hop was so vast when he came in the game. I always get perplexed by LL Slander. You know, you can say his new stuff isn't for you, that's fine. But no one can take away what he did. No one can take away the pioneering he did. He's one of the greatest hip-hop artists of all time. And yeah, it's sad that it ended on authentic, but I don't think it ended on authentic. That's the thing. You know, I, I don't think it's fair to necessarily judge him by his last five or six albums because I don't think that's where his heart was. I think it was in acting and I think it was in diversifying and, and creating a brand and I think he did that. And with obviously he's, you know, got X amount of followers, millions of followers and, and everyone knows who LL Cool J is and he gets a lot of respect. He always will get respect and I think he deserves the utmost respect. You know, I think when he released GOAT, it's not necessarily that, you know, the album is the GOAT album. It's just him inhabiting his persona and what he felt he contributed. And I don't think it's it's bad to call him a goat at all. I think he's a goat of hip hop. I think he's one of the greatest of all times. He's done stuff that no one has ever done or no one had ever done prior to him. And he was very influential. And yeah, I, I don't want this episode to end on a, on a sad note because if we look at the music, it probably will end on a bit of a whimper. But LL's a legend, man. He'll always be a legend. He's one of the greatest hip hop artists of all time. Well, you say that. But I'm here. So um, there's actually a quote, right, that um, I mentioned to Ben a couple of days ago. But uh, I actually learned something about it. So we've all heard the quote uh, or the term or the phrase, the adage, uh, jack of all trades, master of none. So the actual, the complete saying was that is actually a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. Mm-hmm. So nice, I never I was, heard that before. Thank you. I was yeah, it's, it's good, isn't it? So I was mulling over that. Because, you know, I was gonna I was gonna simply finish with he's a jack of all trades but not master of none. Cause I feel like while you are correct in saying he's a pioneer in plenty senses as it pertains to the uh the B boy nature that he brought, uh the youthful energy that he brought early uh the uh just the 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 battling nature obviously just rinsing everybody in his wake uh the the love balladry bringing that to the forefront uh the crossover appeal that you mentioned all of it is factual all of it should be applauded but i was thinking 
out of all of that, the the phrase uh, "Jack of all trades, master of none." But I'm trying to think of it in the term in in the in the whole in the full term now, of uh, you know. But oftentimes, better than a master of one. I'm trying. I was trying to. I was trying to mull it over and apply that the whole full phrase to LL. And I'm not really sure if I can. You know, I, I I'm not I'm not sure if I can. Oftentimes a better a better of one because I feel like the problem with the whole phrase in this context of where we're at in, in the world and life and just, you know, human existence in general. I'm zooming up very high very hard here, but just you know, don't don't get hit by the G forces as, as far as I zoom out. Um, we really we really credit people that you know are that are a master of one. You know, we credit those. We, you know, you mentioned Pusher. You know, we credit people like that. We credit people like Pusher T that you know do the rap about the same things, but he does it with such with such charisma and such finesse to it. It doesn't get old. You know, we do it with uh, we do it with a lot of rappers. We do it with a lot of producers. We do it with Madlib, uh, even though in some ways he's a. I think uh, I saw one quote saying he was like a music historian, and I agree with that fully. Um, you know, producing is a is a kind of a different thing because if you're searching for uh, samples, then are you a master of one, or you know, you know, because you're using diff- several you know samples every. Uh, you're using a sample for everything. You're probably never going to use that same sample again. Uh, so you know, maybe is that do, do our producers a master of one? Let me know. But going coming back, zooming back in <laughs> again to LL, a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. So, is it the question I ask and I put forward is is it a matter of the fact that we value individuals that are a master of one and um, and don't find any appreciation uh, for a jack of all trades or for a person that, you know, actively tries to uh, push the boundaries, not saying LL pushed the boundaries when it came to, uh, you know, uh, his longevity and the work that came past Mr. Smith, uh, but like we've said, he's done many things that should be applauded, and we are applauding. But I just want—I I just wonder—as uh, a as a more existential note, not really more talking about LL, but more talking about how we value artists now. Is it just the—is it just—is is it just me? Maybe because I am because you clearly have like the reverence for LL that I don't think I quite have, and maybe that's just me. Uh, being the uh, maybe the age that I am, and maybe not, um, and maybe getting jaded by the 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 steep decline in quality, um, that obviously ha- ha- we have uh talked about here. But uh, yeah, it's it was just something I was thinking about existentially, not just about um, not just about LL, but uh, more about how how we how we think about artistry so that's just something that's just something i'm thinking about but you know with all that said ll clearly is a a jack of all trades and a master of none um which a lot of people see as a 
you know, as a derogatory term, but I would like to put that forward positive as a positive thing, and uh, leave and you know simply leave it as that. You know what I mean? It, you can't. Not everyone can be a jack of all trades, uh, and not everyone could be a master of one. Some people just sit in the middle and be nothing. <laughs> so you know, if you if you're either way, then you know it has to be respected in some fashion. And LL did it in the in the variety performance kind of kind of way, and uh, and other intangibles uh, added to that. So yeah, well, salute to LL in some way. Just just very very quickly on that with regards to longevity, it might not necessarily be the quality that we're looking for and the kind of music that we're looking for, but the fact that he went number three in 1987 on the Billboard 200 and then. In two thousand and eight, he went number nine. Like that's twenty one yeah. years. I don't know that there's a lot of artists out there doing that, and we might not. You know, the the music might not be for us. But look at his in the two thousands. Number one, number two, number four, number six. Number that's crazy in the two thousands for an artist who debuted in nineteen eighty five. So, you know, I think longevity is depends. It's in the eye of the beholder, and I think LL would you know say I've I've got longevity but fast maybe musically but at the same time if you just you know keep doing it and keep selling records i can't be super super mad at that but i do understand what you're saying entirely and uh, i don't i don't disagree with the the master of none but yeah you're right like cobbling together all those those things that he's good at makes him to me uh maybe better than someone who's i don't know it's, it's a whole existential thing like i agree entirely yeah 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 you know and if he ever drops Goat 2, I'll give you a listen. But we'll see. <laughs> we shall see. And we'll leave it at that and uh, hop it to a lighter note. Um, I, I actually have a lighter yeah. note this week. I actually have oh, a lighter note. Oh, two for t- fucking hell, two in a row. I know. Like, so he's on a roll, ladies and gentlemen. When I first started Hip Hop Numbers, the analytics tab was my favorite tab because I could see how many tweet impressions I was getting and how many profile visits and who my top follower was that month. So I didn't check in for like 18 months because then I just got bored of it. But I came on yesterday and I thought, you know what, I'll just jump onto the analytics tab and see where I'm up to. I think I'm up to 700 million tweet impressions now, which is very impressive. I want to get to a billion at some point. But what was more impressive was my top followers per month. So I'm going to run through some here. So in June 2021, my top new follower was Soldier Boy with 5.3 million followers. Soldier Boy follows me. Uh, in, 2000, in May, it was Rich Brian. Fucking cool. Uh, in March, it was Get, which I'm very proud of. I love that album, Conflict of Interest. Uh, what else have we got here? In January, no, that was nothing major. Michael Rappaport in December. Very, very cool. Very happy with that. Um, there was another good one in here somewhere. Let's see. Ah, here we go. Here we go. September 2020. Absol. Absol. Very happy with that. Uh, I'm just running. I'm just, I'm just, I got Riff Raff on here. Riff Raff on here. June 2020. Riff Raff. I, I must have tweeted something that, that piqued his interest and he decided to click the follow button. Uh, May 2020. Russ. Got Russ on board. 2.23 million followers. Um, there's one in here that's my absolute favorite. Complex, Complex in uh, January 2020. This one I like, December 2019, Raekwon the Chef. I don't know what I tweeted in December 2019, but it, it, it got Raekwon on board, which was pretty cool. This one is my absolute favorite. August 2019, Missy Elliott. 
Missy Elliott, man. Fucking hell. So yeah, I just thought that was really cool. Top Dog followed me in uh, Top Dog Entertainment, the label, in April 2019. I'm just flexing right now. Just flexing. May 2019 was Lupe Fiasco. I'm just flexing. Jid was uh, March 2019. MC Hammer, February 2019. Bro, Wale, December December 2018. Wale hopped on board. Joe Bodden. November 2018. Bro, come on now. This is a whole other level that I'm working on. Craziness. Soldier Boy. Got Soldier Boy following me. I don't normally flex. I don't normally flex, but um I thought I'd just have a bit of a flex cuz I'm in lockdown at the moment and, and things are things are rough in Sydney right now. But yeah. Well, shout out to uh shout out to the likes of Riff Raff being put in the same sentences as a uh, Raekwon and <laughs> How do we, how do I, do I say, do I say J-I-D or do I say, is it J-I-D? I say J-I-D. Like I see, I see, I always see J-I-D as in like J.I.D. So I say J-I-D, but people say J-I-D just because it's quicker. Okay. J-I-D. I don't want to say J-I-D, it's J-I-D. Yeah. It's J-I-D. Okay. I like J-I-D. I like Jid. So, well, I mean, yeah, I could man. ask him. I could DM him. He follows me, so I might, I might send him okay. a DM. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Sell down. Sell down. I mean, I go never, for it, but sell down. Give me a break, man. <laughs> I never flex. When was the last time I flexed? I don't ever do it. So, I once a year, I reckon I get an opportunity, and that's that's my once for this year. So let's check back in in J- July 2022. And I'll come in with some more flexing. But until I mean, then... I mean, flex all you like, man. Flex all you like. You can do it every week if you want. You can just read out your follow list. Just just do that every week. Just like, hey, <laughs> hey guys, here's part, here's part 52. <laughs> here's page 52 of my follows. Uh, all with ticks, just a note. Um, yeah. All blue tick gang. Uh, but yeah. Mm. Good for you. Thanks. With my... Uh, I forgot how I forgot. I remember looking up like how much my Twitter account is worth, and it's like oh, nothing yeah. at all. I remember. I forgot. I forgot why. I, I forgot what it was. I think it's like the price of like fucking. I don't know a meal at McDonald's. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's worthless. Fuck. I mean, <laughs> it's funny. If, uh, you, yeah. if, if you need some food, fucking who's gonna buy it? Sell my Twitter account. What are you gonna exactly. rock up to the the counter with your login? <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, just like, see, do you want my Twitter account? Have it. Yeah. Give me a chicken sandwich. Uh, yeah, give me a big taste of a bacon, apple pie. Throw on, throw on that. It's worth it. I have to An apple back. cobbler. I have the maybe. Twitter account for it. Oh, and with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we shall leave it there. Suddenly, for the Fifth Podcast Network, <laughs> it's been mm. a I've been enjoying this episode. I've enjoyed Taylor of the Fifth Element. I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. We are. <laughs> Fuck me, that track. So bad. Oh, God, I really want to read it again all of a sudden. I don't know why. We hope you have a good week. Uh, we shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show was edited by me. Music for the show is a piece of video games by bonus points. It's a draw records for the ability to use. Socials for the fifth element, hip hop by numbers, bonus points, and draw records will be in the full show notes for everyone listening. This has been the fifth element podcast narrow production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time on Digging in the Digits. <laughs>